0: It was June 4th, 2019, and Benny Collins was at home in Pocahontas, Arkansas, when he got a call from his granddaughter. She asked Benny if he had heard from her grandmother, his daughter, Linda Collins. Benny said no. He actually hadn't talked to Linda in a few days. Concerned, he left his house at around 5 p.m. and headed over to Linda's residence, a brick one-story home off West Highway 90. When he got there, he saw that Linda's son, Butch Smith, was already there. By now, both Linda's father and her son were worried. They started looking for Linda together. Benny was knocking on the door hard and walked around to the back of the house. He was beating on the windows and yelling Linda's name, but he got no response. Butch went inside, calling out for his mom, but he saw no sign of Linda there either. They were just about to leave the property when they passed by the garage and saw a tarp that had been thrown over some stuff. They pulled that tarp back, and that's when they saw the body, badly decomposed, lying face down, wrapped in a blanket. It seemed obvious that the person under the tarp was dead and had been dead for some time. Butch called 911. He told the dispatcher that he'd found a body, and he believed that it was his mom. Police raced to the residence and immediately petitioned for a search warrant. By the time the sun set on that summer day, this murder had turned into the biggest story in the state. 57-year-old Linda was a former state senator and lifetime resident of the tiny town, and everyone there knew her. The sheriff's department released a statement. It was extremely brief and vague and gave almost zero details. All they said was that a body had been found at that residence and that the condition of the body prevented any immediate positive identification. Pocahontas is a small town. It's located on the border between the Ozark Mountains and the Mississippi Delta, and Linda was one of its most famous residents. As a politician, Linda had seen her share of controversy while she was in office, and everyone in town also knew something else. Linda had been going through a very public and bitter and ugly divorce. Because there were so few details, rumors started flying around town. Everyone wondered, had Linda been assassinated by political enemies? Was this some kind of twisted love triangle? The police knew they had to move fast. When they applied for the search warrant to go through Linda's house, the forecast was calling for rain. Police knew that crucial evidence could be destroyed. They were working against the clock. I'm Katherine Townsend. This is Red Collar. By the time officers from the Randolph County Sheriff's Department arrived on the scene, rumors were flying around Pocahontas, population 7,000. An article in the NEA report read, sources say that the death had not been of natural causes. The publication talked to a neighbor who said that a gunshot had been heard at least a day before the body was found. So from there, a rumor started and was reported in local news outlets that Linda had been shot. The Randolph County Sheriff's Department immediately brought the Arkansas State Police in on the case. So the Arkansas State Police Criminal Investigation Unit and forensic examiners from the Arkansas State Crime Lab were also sent to the scene. Once local media got word that the ASP had been called in, that was another signal to them that they were probably dealing with a homicide. ASP crime scene technicians found that the body, who was positively identified as Linda, was in an advanced state of decomposition. They believed that Linda had been dead for around a week since May 28th. Investigators also based this timeline on the fact that no one had heard from Linda since that day. That was the last day she'd been seen alive. Linda was normally super active on social media. Her last activity on Facebook was on May 28th at around 2.29 in the afternoon. Since then, there had been nothing. Investigators were able to determine that at some point, Linda's body had been moved from inside the house to location where it was found, under the tarp. So their theory was that the killer must have been someone who could gain access to the home easily, someone who could walk around, probably someone who Linda knew. The medical examiner determined that Linda had been stabbed to death. She had been attacked in a violent frenzy and stabbed at least six times, Now, this was contrary to the first media reports and all the rumors. According to the medical examiner, there was no sign that a gun had been used at all. Linda Collins, who, by the way, had recently switched back to using her maiden name from her married name, Linda Collins Smith, after her divorce, was born in Pocahontas, Arkansas. She spent pretty much her whole life in the town. According to her Wikipedia page, Linda grew up poor. Her family lived in a house that didn't have running water until she was a teenager. Her campaign website read, quote, her background taught her the value of hard work and the blessing of living in a land where everyone, from the poor country girl to the inner city street kid, had the opportunity to achieve their dreams through industry and determination, end quote. Linda was a real estate agent before she started her political career. She was elected to the Arkansas House of Representatives in 2011 as a Democrat. But she switched parties and served in the state Senate as a Republican from 2014 until 2018, when she was defeated for re-election. Linda was a strong advocate for gun rights, and she had campaigned for some other controversial policies as well. At one point, she introduced a bill that would have banned transgender people from using a restroom, but it was defeated. After the murder, commenters on social media started speculating about who could have killed Linda, as I said, this is a small town. I'm from Arkansas. I've investigated several cold cases in the state. Linda Collins and I actually have 47 mutual Facebook friends. On her Facebook page, there's a picture of her proudly standing next to the American flag over a caption that reads, State Senator, 91st, 90th, House 88. Conservative, God, family, veterans, guns, patriot, and country. The Washington Post has a slogan. They say democracy dies in darkness. But darkness, the absence of information, is also where conspiracy theories thrive. And that's exactly what happened in this case. In Arkansas, people talk a lot about something they call an arcanticide. Usually they use the term to refer to a murder that they believe could have been political or part of some type of a conspiracy. They wondered if the rumors that Linda had worked against sex trafficking could have made powerful people angry. Maybe she had been about to expose something. Could the murder, they wondered, have been ordered by one of her political enemies? Some people in the state mentioned another politician who had been murdered in Oklahoma and wondered if the two cases could have somehow been connected. Linda was a lifetime member of the National Rifle Association and a strong proponent for gun rights. So there were also a lot of comments in the beginning that came out right after the first reports about Linda's murder about the irony of a pro-gun person being shot, which of course turned out to be not true because Linda was stabbed. Even Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson weighed in. He tweeted, I'm both stunned and saddened by the death of former state senator Linda Collins-Smith. She was a good person who served in the public arena with passion and conviction. The First Lady and I extend our deepest sympathies to her family and friends during this difficult time. A temporary memorial full of flowers was put on the floor of the Arkansas State Capitol Building in Little Rock. A former state representative named Charlotte Douglas posted a statement on Facebook. She said that Linda had been excited about a potential new opportunity in Washington that she was supposedly interviewing for and was apparently excited about. Charlotte said she wasn't sure of the specific details, but that also added to the number of commenters spreading the rumors that this could have been political. Police were taking a long, hard look at Linda's relationships, especially her relationship with her ex-husband, retired Judge Philip Smith. While they were married, Linda and Phil had been in business together. They owned and operated the Days Inn in Pocahontas. According to area-wide media, Judge Philip Smith served in the Army before becoming a municipal judge. He was appointed to the circuit court by Governor Mike Huckabee in 2001. Phil was also from Pocahontas and, like Linda, spent pretty much his entire life there. Phil was reelected several times, and he and Linda had two children and three grandchildren. But the marriage fell apart, and in 2016, the couple separated. In November 2017, Linda filed for divorce. And again, that ugly divorce became very public. Phil Smith retired in 2017, but around that time, he was involved in a scandal. A few months after retiring, he was publicly reprimanded. As part of that reprimand, he agreed not to serve in the judiciary in the future, including by temporary assignment, according to the Arkansas Times. According to the document, Phil was sanctioned after he used computer equipment after hours for extrajudicial activities. These extrajudicial activities were not specified, but everyone in town was talking about what he could have been using his computer for at night in his office. All this came to light during his testimony as part of his divorce proceedings from Linda. A press release alleged that Phil Smith admitted, under oath during divorce litigation, that you improperly use court computer equipment after regular work hours at the office, and that this conduct has rendered you ineligible to hold public trust as a judge. At one point, things between Phil and Linda deteriorated, to the point where he asked a judge to throw her in jail for contempt of court, according to the Daily Mail. But the judge, Ellen Brantley, refused, partly because there was no prison officer in the court who could transport Linda to a lockup. However, The judge did order that officers should be present at future hearings in the contentious case between Linda and Phil Smith. Stan Morris of the NEA report wrote that the couple was fighting about money. They sold the Days Inn Motel in 2016 for around $1.2 million. And the couple was fighting over the proceeds of that sale in court. Linda accused Phil of overspending and being irresponsible with money Basically, Phil accused Linda of hiding money. According to the divorce papers from the Arkansas Court of Appeals, Linda stated that after the sale of the motel, she withdrew around $850,000 and put it in an account solely in her name. Now, she said this was to protect the money. She said that Phil planned to move to Panama, and she seemed worried about him being out of the jurisdiction of the court. Linda said, quote, no one is holding any money for me. I do not have any money in a safety deposit box. I do not have any money buried in the backyard. I have not loaned anybody money while this has been going on. There is no money in any type of dwelling that I own or made to live in or utilize." End quote. The judge made it clear though that she didn't really believe Linda. She was hard on Linda. She actually went on record as saying that she thought Linda had hidden money the judge said, quote, I'm going to be on the record. I don't believe you. I do not believe that you have managed to dissipate that amount of money in 19 months. I think you've taken money. You've been dishonest, and you have not told either his attorney or him or the court where it is. I believe Ms. Collins-Smith knows more about the party's finances. I do not believe she's been honest. In his testimony, he said she was a hardworking legislator, very intelligent, and could manage business and did a good job. If he said she has integrity, I miss that. That is not my judgment at this point. People get ideas about what they deserve and what is fair for them to have when divorcing. The law says you have to answer all questions about your finances, fully and openly, and disclose them to the court. I believe she has not done that. I had a problem trying to assess how much money she owes him." End quote. The judge said that during the marriage, Phil, while working as a judge, was also putting his paycheck into the couple's joint account. They had approximately $320,000 in their bank accounts when they separated. They made million too from the motel sale. So basically, something like $1.5 million was in those bank accounts. And according to the judge, there was only around $75,000 left. The trial court found in Phil's favor They found that Linda had dissipated marital funds, and they ordered her to pay him $380,000, plus an additional $100,000 for his interest in a hotel that she got in the divorce. Police questioned Phil, and he was apparently cleared, although police were still staying radio silent on the details of the case. A couple of weeks later, though, there was a shocking twist. Right before Linda's visitation, police made an arrest. But it wasn't Phil Smith. 49-year-old Rebecca O'Connell, known as Becky, was driving to Linda's visitation at Sutton Freewill Baptist Church with her fiancé, Tim Loggins, when they saw flashing lights behind them. Police arrested Becky... And this was a huge shock to everyone because as far as everyone in town knew, Becky was Linda's best friend. People Magazine interviewed a friend of Linda and Becky's who told the magazine, quote, if you ever wanted to know what was going on with Linda, you could ask Becky and vice versa. They did everything together and they were close confidants. They called each other sisters even though they weren't blood relations, end quote. It was summed up on social media. Becky's Facebook profile picture wasn't a picture of her and her fiancé. It was a picture of her and Linda, standing together, arms around each other, smiling for the camera. Becky's fiancé Tim went on national television to support his fiancé. He also described the dramatic arrest. They had AR-15s pointed at us, he told ABC News. He described his shock when the police arrested Becky. Tim did make the comment, that Becky had been the last person known to have seen Linda alive on May 28th. He said that on that day, she had gone to Linda's house and told him that she had brought Linda lunch. Tim told ABC News that he had been the one to break the news to Becky that Linda was dead. He said Becky had just collapsed, overcome by grief. He said that she was sad and angry about the arrest. He insisted that police had made a mistake and publicly said, there was no way that she could have done this. Becky had been a former campaign worker for Linda and worked on her re-election campaign in 2018 when Linda was beaten in the primary. But outside of work, the women were close friends. Tim also described them as like sisters. Tim was also very close to Linda. He posted on social media in June 2019, two-hour phone calls, random trips to some political function, a conservative voice, a tireless patriot, loving mom and grandmommy. My heart breaks for my hometown and for Arkansas, but mostly I miss my friend. I've never had a better friend. She loved me through my faults and made me better just for knowing her. My heart breaks. So why would Becky kill a person who everyone else described as her best friend and her strongest supporter? In fact, the two women were so close that Becky had intimate knowledge of Linda's private life. Becky was a corroborating witness in Linda's divorce. Her boyfriend, Tim, was involved too. It was revealed that he had actually been given power of attorney in some of Linda's financial affairs. Now, when this came to light, ABC News asked him about this. They pointed out that because he had been involved in Linda's finances, some people were asking questions about that. He said, that he had helped Linda out because she asked for it and that he'd never made a dime on anything he'd helped Linda with. According to a post-divorce decree, Phil and Linda had been arguing during the divorce about what happened to a tax refund. It was a significant amount of money. The total of the state and federal refund was almost half a million dollars. According to court documents, Tim was involved in that because he deposited over $52,000, the state income tax refund, into a joint account that was controlled by Phil and Linda. Then a check was written from that account for a cashier's check in the exact amount of that refund to Linda Collins. Then another attempt was made, this time to cash the $428,000 federal income tax refund that had been paid jointly to Linda Collins-Smith and Phil Smith. But this time it didn't work because the bank called Phil and he told them not to cash the check without his signature. So the check was deposited at another bank. According to the NEA report, Phil wanted the court to ban Tim from accessing the joint accounts that he shared with Linda. After that, the judge ordered that the money from the refund be put into a trust account that was controlled by an attorney. And later, Phil got credited for that amount when the court redid the calculation of marital assets. I didn't want to do it, Tim told ABC News during the same interview where he defended Becky but Linda needed the help, and you help a friend when they need it. He said, by the way, that he never made a nickel off of helping Linda with her financial transactions. Rebecca Lynn O'Donnell was charged with capital murder, abuse of a corpse, and tampering with physical evidence. According to the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, authorities issued several search warrants. They searched a computer that Linda used, as well as a 2011 Ford Focus that was owned by Becky's mother because, according to the newspaper, authorities believed that it could contain concealed biological evidence. Like some other cases I've worked on in Arkansas, the authorities in this case refused to confirm even basic information. They immediately put a gag order on the case and a seal on almost all of the records. Several news organizations filed lawsuits at that point, trying to have the seal on information related to the case removed and they asked to have the gag order lifted. But while everyone was arguing about the facts of the case, it was about to take an even more dramatic turn. Becky was behind bars, and investigators said that once she was in police custody, she started trying to solicit several more murders. Police say that Becky started talking to Shanna Hembry, a woman she met in the Jackson County Jail. Shanna went to authorities in October 2019, and she told them point-blank that Becky was trying to get her and another inmate to kill Linda's ex-husband, Phil Smith. Her plan, according to this informant, was for Phil's death to look like a murder-suicide. So Phil's new wife, Mary, would have to die as well. The informant said that Becky wanted the women to shoot or hang Phil. Then there would be a suicide note, which was written by Becky. It would be left behind confessing that Phil had killed Linda, and Becky hoped this would get her off the hook. She also asked the women to travel to the car impound and blow up her car so that any evidence remaining in the vehicle would be destroyed. Shanna told police that Becky had thought this plan out. Becky wanted her and the other inmate to pack some of Mary's things so that it would look like she was planning to leave Phil. Becky told these informants, including a second inmate named Cassandra Jeffrian, that she wanted all of this done by Halloween. According to the probable cause affidavit that was eventually unsealed, Cassandra corroborated Shanna's story, and she actually gave police a note that she said had been written by Becky. Cassandra said that she never planned to commit the murders. However, she said, she was concerned that someone else, perhaps a more gullible individual, might do it. Then a third woman, Rebecca Landrum, also came forward. She said that Becky had a long hit list She wanted prosecutor Henry Boyce and circuit judge Harold Irwin killed as well. Now, this informant told police that Becky told her she wanted Phil dead because he was the one who had set her up for Linda's murder. She asked Becky about the evidence against her. Becky said that police had planted stuff in her trunk. Now, Becky's lawyer came out at this point and said that the four different women who'd come forward just wanted to get better deals for themselves. He said that their allegations were ridiculous and untrue. But there was another clue that the jailhouse informants talked about, the gold coins. Linda and Phil were arguing over around $28,000 in gold and silver coins. It turned out that at least some of those coins were inside Linda's house. Based on testimony of those jailhouse informants, Becky was then charged with two felony counts of solicitation to commit murder and two misdemeanor counts including tampering with physical evidence. Investigators say that as a final touch, Becky was also trying to get someone to hack into the Randolph County Jail's computers and plant a virus there. She also wanted to hack in to Linda Collins' security system, apparently to erase evidence. One of the informants, Rebecca, told investigators that Becky had admitted to her that there was footage out there of her holding a bloody knife, but she claimed that that had also been doctored by the police. And when she was allegedly trying to mastermind this murder, she told the informant to avoid killing Phil Smith on the weekend because that's when he gets his grandkids. Investigators say that Becky promised the women that they would be paid with a stash of gold and silver that Phil Smith supposedly had in his home. Now, police had not released any information about a possible motive in this case, but it was becoming more and more clear that this seemed to be about money. There was no massive conspiracy theory, like in so many red-collar cases. The motive was money. It's not clear exactly what went down with finances during that divorce between Becky and Linda and Tim, but at some point, according to Linda's son, Butch, Linda figured out that Becky was stealing from her. He said he believes that that's when Linda confronted Becky with the evidence. She attacked Linda and stabbed her to death. Now investigators are doing a deeper dive into Becky's background at this point, and one of her former employers started speaking out. The Daily Mail found and interviewed her former boss, a store manager from Curvy, a plus-size consignment shop in Jonesboro. The former boss told the newspaper that in 2014, she busted Becky for allegedly stealing a pair of designer jeans. But she decided not to press charges. Still, the manager said that she was shocked when she heard about the murder charges. Using the same rationale that so many people do in these cases, she told the Daily Mail, there's a lot of difference between theft and murder. After she fired Becky, she said that she got a message on social media from Becky's sister, who she was friendly with. It read, quote, I wish you would have pressed charges against my sister. In the last six months, I've found out that she's stolen from so many people and only one person went after her. She stole all my mom's retirement money, about $160,000. She She's stolen from ex-boyfriends, and she also opened up credit cards in her kids' names and maxed them out and never paid the bills, ruining their credit. She is a piece of (laughs) of I haven't spoken to her in over a year," end quote. Becky's trial was set for August, 2020. And again, this trial was a huge story. Several judges knew Phil personally, so they had to recuse themselves in the case. The court kept files under seal to avoid contaminating the jury pool. Then, on August 6, 2020, shortly before the trial was due to start, Becky and her attorneys agreed to a plea deal. Becky had pleaded not guilty, but now she pleaded guilty to first-degree murder and abuse of a corpse. She admitted to the judge intentionally killed her and then hid the body. She also pleaded no contest to two counts of solicitation to commit capital murder. She was sentenced to 50 years in prison. So finally, all of these affidavits were unsealed. Hundreds of pages of an investigative file that shed some light on possible motive and revealed shocking new details about what actually went down on that summer day at Linda's house. According to Region 8 News, Becky told one of those jailhouse informants that police were building a case against her for allegedly laundering money from the hotel that Phil and Linda owned in Pocahontas. But Becky told her jailhouse friends that she had been the only one helping Linda because Linda hadn't had any income in recent months. In fact, Becky claimed that she was just taking the money out of the hotel to pay Linda's bills. But the smoking gun in this case turned out to be a bloody knife that was seen on video. According to the investigative file, Becky was actually seen on video in Linda's house on May 28th, the day she was murdered, holding a bloody knife. Agent Mike McNeil of the Arkansas State Police interviewed the second jailhouse informant, Cassandra. She told him that Becky admitted to her that there was video of her buying bleach and a video of her holding a knife with blood on her while standing over the body of Linda Collins. Arkansas State Police investigators wrote in the affidavit for her arrest warrant, the video showed the specific location inside the residence where agents believe Colin Smith was stabbed. The affidavit went on to say that Becky had been looking inside of a red-colored purse with what appears to be blood on her hands while holding a large kitchen knife and placing the large knife inside of the purse. When police asked Becky about that video, She admitted that she had been covered in blood on video, but she said that was because she made Linda chicken that day and that she'd cut up the chicken. On the video, investigators said they could see a significant amount of blood on the exterior of the purse that Becky was carrying. Later, they said that that purse was similar to the one that was found in the truck that Becky and Tim were riding in when she was arrested on her way to Linda's memorial service. In her conversations with a jailhouse informant, investigators say Becky told the informant that Linda had been stabbed 16 times. And what happened to that video evidence is a fascinating story in itself. Because after Linda was murdered, Becky said that her fiancé, Tim, removed cameras from Linda's residence. Investigators say that she told them that she planned to return the video equipment because the cameras apparently weren't staying charged. According to investigators, Tim removed numerous security cameras from Linda's residence. Becky said that the plan was to take the cameras back to Best Buy and see if Linda could get her money back. But in any case, by the time police got to the house to search it on the day Linda was murdered, the cameras were gone. But police didn't give up. They contacted the security company and were reportedly able to get the surveillance video from the cloud. That video, according to the affidavit, showed the specific location inside Linda's residence where investigators believe she was murdered. The video showed Becky with what appeared to be blood on her hands holding a large knife. Another affidavit provided some clues as to Becky's possible motive. It read... Rebecca O'Donnell also stated that she has forged the signature of Linda Collins-Smith numerous times while filling out checks from the bank account of Linda Collins-Smith. It is reasonable to conclude that banking documents such as checks, receipts, and other financial records are kept in the home. And since Ms. O'Donnell has admitted to forging checks on the Linda Collins-Smith account, evidence related to those transactions could be located in the O'Donnell residence. Tim Loggins, who describes himself on social media, as a Christian conservative who loves God, family, and freedom, came out with another statement. This time he said that after defending Becky, he was shocked at her confession. Tim, by the way, was never charged or suggested in any way by investigators as being suspected in Linda's murder. But I still have a lot of questions about Tim. Like, if he was seen removing cameras from the home, how did he do that without figuring out that there was a body there or anything wrong? How was Linda's body moved from inside the house to outside under the tarp? And when did that happen? And finally, there's a piece of information that was reported in the NEA report. The security video at Linda's home isn't the only video that was evidence in this case. There's another video, surveillance video taken from the Walmart Supercenter. NEA report has quoted sources as saying that this video shows Tim and Becky shopping together and buying a large amount of bleach. They allegedly used one of Linda's cards to pay for that transaction. And those sources also told NEA Report that the crime scene was cleaned with bleach, which, as many true crime fans know, can be used to destroy DNA and also interferes with luminol, which is sprayed on the wall to identify blood. Tim's statement appeared to finally publicly acknowledge Becky's guilt. He said that Linda had been a beautiful soul and a dear friend. He said in his statement, initially for various reasons, I believed with all my heart that Becky was innocent. No one wants to believe anyone close to them is capable of doing something so heinous. My heart at that time would not let me believe what I later learned to be true, that Becky murdered Linda. That realization was one of the most difficult of my life. To accept that I lived with someone so deviant someone who could not only take a life, but the life of someone who helped her in so many ways, without any indication of the darkness in her heart, was heartbreaking. Linda's family released a statement after the plea deal. It said in part, quote, "'We realize that whatever punishment Rebecca receives, "'it will never be enough. "'It will never bring my grandpa's daughter back, "'or my mother back, or our children's grandmother back. "'No amount of punishment will ever fill that void, that Becky made in our lives the day she killed our mother. Today, we find some shred of peace that Rebecca O'Donnell will be put away in prison for a very long time, unable to hurt anyone else. If my mother was here today, I have no doubt that she would quote the Bible and tell us that we can find peace in God. End quote. Butch Smith made a statement too. He said, quote, I am Butch Smith. I would like to say that what happened to my mother was an awful deed carried out of hate, jealousy, and greed. I believe that Rebecca O'Donnell was stealing money from my mother, and when my mother confronted her about it, she snapped and stabbed my mother to death in a fit of rage and perceived self-perseverance to try to prevent herself from going to jail. As some news agencies have reported, I did find my mother's body on June 4th at her home. She was lying face down, wrapped in one of my old comforters, and shoved underneath a tarp in her driveway. I will never not be able to see that picture burned into my brain. The smell of the dead body laying outside, wrapped up and under a tarp for approximately a week in a hot Arkansas summer was nausea-inducing in and of itself. The swarm of flies that flew out and surrounded me, the sight of her white blonde hair moving because of the number of maggots crawling on her. The last memory of her that I have was of me making that 911 call and trying not to vomit all over at the sight and smell of my mother's body, end quote. Becky will serve a total of 50 years in prison. She will be eligible for parole in 2070. If she's still alive, she'll be 99 years old. Red Collar is an Audio Chuck original podcast. Research and writing by me, Katherine Townsend, with production assistance from Alyssa Gostola and Resonate Recordings. You can find all of our source material for this episode on our website, redcollarpodcast.com. So what do you think, Chuck? Do you approve? <laughs>